welcome to the British Bids podcast. My name is Emily Richards, I'm the marketing manager at British Bids. I'm joined by Fiona Wright, director at British Bids. Hi Fiona. Hi, how are you? Good, we're good. Our guest today is Simon Jenner, director at Bid Leicester. Hi Simon. Hello, good afternoon. Hello. We've been looking forward to today's podcast, so thanks so much for taking part. Do you just want to give us a little bit of background around your bid? Yeah, so Bid Leicester is a city centre bid. We've got about 700 hair editaments and people probably know Leicester's a fairly large city. So, you know, we've got about half a million people in the urban area. So, you know, quite a large city centre with everything you'd expect from your small independents right up to your big high street retail. And in terms of where we're at within our bid term, this is year three for us. So we forget that we're actually a bit of a baby in bid terms and we're quite, we're quite young, but we feel like we've been here a long time. Um, and, you know, we're really excited to have sort of hit the ground running and done some fairly bold things already. We've got a budget around about £4.2 million over the five years, so it gives us an opportunity to, to be quite ambitious, you know, to try and be really highly visible, make a real impact. And a few of the things we've done that we're sort of proud of so far, we've launched an independent Leicester campaign and brand, which has gone really well. Um, we have more than 100 businesses that have participated in that. We've launched quite an innovative contactless giving scheme to support homeless people. Uh, we've raised about £24,000 since the end of October, so really well received by people. Mm. Um, and we've also done a lot on arts and culture. We've done a huge number of events. Um, and we were just totting it up, actually, but we think we've had around about 200,000 people come right. to events that we've been involved in sponsoring. So, you know, quite a lot of activity in quite a short time. And we're also um, quite fortunate to have the Loyal Free app as part of our offer. They're local to Leicester. Um, we're approaching about 9,000 app users there on digital loyalty. So... We're sort of really um, excited to have quite a high level board and quite sort of good strategic backing. And we've got a great sort of buzzy young team who are getting on with it and doing a lot of exciting stuff. So yeah, before all of this, um, yes. you know, plan A was very much intact and we were really excited about events and about engagement and marketing and getting people to come to the place. Yeah. But of course, in, in recent weeks and months, the, the script has changed quite a lot. Yeah, dramatically. I was actually going to raise that you've got a very good and engaged board and you've got a very active team, um, which is vital to a bit of your sort being um, so well grounded, I think, in your third year, because you do seem like you're a bit that's been around longer than that, because it's very well structured. And that's down to the team and, and, and the board. But obviously, as you say, you're a bit that's had a lot to do with events. Um, and the recent circumstances have changed that somewhat. Um, so you've had to make a bit of a shift from being around events and marketing. Um, and we've seen that you've actually been very heavily involved in your bids recovery action plan for your centre. Um, and I think it was published in May. So do you want to talk us through how that came about, what the process was and your involvement personally? Yeah. So as always, as a bid, our role is to add value to what's already there. So additionality is really important and we're quite fortunate. As I said, the foundations were in place before I arrived. Great board. So, you know, the council city centre director, the high cross shopping centre manager, you know, the, the major theatre chief executive, um, the store manager at John Lewis. So people of a good calibre. But one of the things that we felt we could add value on was pulling together a partnership approach to recovery because we'd seen that, you know, clearly the local authority will have a plan and the shopping centres will have a plan. But where we felt we could add value was by bringing people in the room and it's a, a virtual room, a video room at the moment, as you know, and um, together kind of creating a partnership that would look at, First of all, response to crisis, which we feel like we're starting to move out of. Then the reopening phase, which we're very much in at the moment, and then longer term economic recovery. So with a clear structure around response, reopening and recovery, 
And we've really used it as an opportunity to further strengthen our relationships with some of those key people. So a couple of examples um, of people that we've brought into this discussion would be people like the University of Leicester who are outside of our bid area, a wealth management firm called Mattioli Woods who look after 8.8 billion pounds of people's money. We had the founder of that business come on board and really an opportunity also to pull in people from some economy in different sectors who we hadn't engaged with as much as we might have done. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was all founded on partnership and it was all about please as a business explain to us the challenges that you face in the current time and then we'd move on to identifying clear actions and really steering our investment as a bid and making sure that the money we spend on this is the best targeted and has the most impact on helping people recover yeah. that's brilliant and simon we're all heading towards the 15th of june as the big date where we see non-essential retail reopening you know, what's this looking like at the moment for Leicester? Is there anything that you can share with us on that? Yeah, we were talking a bit before the call. It's, it's looking quite strange, actually, and quite unusual in our place because it's very um, patchy in terms of footfall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is increasing now. But, um, you know, we have about 40 essential businesses that have been open the whole time. Um, but as you rightly say, we're very much focused on giving people the tools to open up non-essential retail safely. Um, we're really thinking a lot about what experience people have when they come to the city and can we make that the best possible and the safest experience because we're very mindful that if people have negative experiences going into any of our businesses very quickly that becomes word of mouth and social media and it becomes a poor reputation for Mm. our city centre so where it's at for us at the moment is sort of practical nuts and bolts and we've got a, a reopening pack for all of our businesses where we're providing them with a hard copy poster which is the government COVID compliant certificate you might have seen the blue and white certificate for the window mm-hmm. yeah um, but behind that we said look you can't just put up a poster and you've done the job there's a lot of detail to work through so we provide a detailed checklist to every business and a, a risk assessment template for them to work through um, we're also providing all of our businesses with footstep stickers so that they can use that within the store for or within shop or premises for physical distancing mm-hmm. um, and then on top of that there's a whole series of other things they can buy including you know fixed sanitizer points um, screens, PPE, and um, we've negotiated a good price, a good discount price, whereby people will get the starter pack and they'll have the opportunity to buy other products to help them open. And um, where people, you know, purchase a sanitizer point, for example, we'll be providing them with refills. So, you know, that's not a bottomless pit, but we're doing about 50 litres of, of refills so that all of this material will be bid branded as well, importantly, so that people understand that it's the bid that's playing the key role in in opening up and, and reopening the city. That's fantastic. So it's obviously been challenging all round, but what do you think are the most challenging parts for you and for the bid over the last few months? And are, you, are there any sort of like top tips or real lessons learned that you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, I think the most challenging thing for all businesses really is that this is completely new and completely unusual. And We had a lot of things in our business plans and in our kind of pipeline and in our kind of um, parameters of what we thought might happen. But managing a public health crisis in 2020 was not one of those things. So no matter how big or small we are and what our sector is and what our interests are, none of us were gearing up for this when we moved into 2020. So obviously there's been a lot of learning and there's been a lot of scanning of information. and, And, you know, one of the roles we've played is trying to provide safe and secure information. So um, Surinder, our marketing executive, more or less built a website within our website where all of the information is sourced from gov.uk and nhs.uk. 
So with all the noise and the fury and the media speculation and the politics going on, it's for us to give accurate information. So, you know, there's been a lot to learn. And I think one of the key points is being willing to learn and being willing to to read and analyse and being quite careful about which messages you, you distribute and which you don't. Um, so that's that's quite challenging, I think. And one of the things that's challenging for us as a business is the inevitable sort of disruption to our operations, you know, not being in our place for yeah. two months is a real wrench for us because we love our city and we're part of the fabric of our city. And, you know, we're constantly working with our businesses to help them develop and grow. And we're spending our money on our lunches, our coffees, the pint of work, you know, pint of beer after work you know it's a big part of who we are and what we do and so being remote from that for two months it's it's kind of quite quite stressful I think so yeah we've been able to um, develop a new operating model quite quickly as everybody you know that involves working from home and a lot of video calls and using teams and using zoom as we are now um, so we've been able to relocate but I think one of the things that we're wanting to learn from is that people really miss the human connection that they get from our businesses and that's something that we think is a really big marketing angle mm. maybe a little bit later on in the year but yeah for me personally it's also been about um i'm an optimist and i i'm a positive person and i think receiving so much pessimistic and negative information can be quite wearing and we you know we don't have the luxury to turn away from that information because we have to be looking at it every day and analyzing it and working out what does that mean for us what does that mean for our businesses so there's been quite a relentless wave of information coming at us through media. And I think it's quite different, you know, with Brexit, if you get a bit fed up, you just go to the music section or the sports section, or you go and look at your hobby or your interests. But the difference with coronavirus is it's, it's infected and infiltrated every aspect of life. So it's quite hard. It's quite all encompassing and it's quite hard to avoid. So we're sort of thinking a little bit about how do we look after our own physical, mental health and, for me, that involves a lot of bike riding and maintaining exercise and trying to get outside when I can. Mm. Yes, um, but I think there's been loads to learn from it, like organisationally and individually. And I think that if there is a positive, it's that this is a new experience that we, we can learn from, we should learn from it. But having said that, it is, it is upsetting for businesses and it's also upsetting for the team to see people that they like and respect, you know, with their own businesses being put under such pressure. Um, okay. So yeah. a, a big part of our early response was around making sure people were able to access grant funding and they knew what they were entitled to. So smaller mm. businesses obviously can get government grants, business support grant, furlough funds, business rates holiday, you know, really cheap loans. And so we've been explaining to people, you're not on your own. There are sources of support. Uh, and I think actually being there for our businesses, even if that's only through a phone call it's or through video conferencing. I think it's a, a point that you raise. actually. Um, we're not just bid managers anymore. You are change managers, um, and that's a, a very difficult process. But I, one of the positives, if there are positives out of this, is the agility and the speed and the collaboration of projects that would normally have taken years to get through are happening quickly. Um, and that is a fantastic pace. And we can't carry on working like that forever, but just to be able to speed things up and get the right connections is, is it really important for place change? Um, I so actually that think that's one of our biggest assets as bids that yeah. we should be able to respond fast. And um, yeah. James and I have had this cliche that we've talked about for years now, which is that, you know, for local authorities in oil tanker, we're a speedboat. We should be able to yeah. nip around and change direction. And the value we bring is often in responding fast to things. Mm. You know, because life is actually quite simple as a bid, we're not, we don't have politicians holding us to account. We don't have to run the highways department and social care and we don't have responsibility to house homeless people and all these things. So we really value the fact that sometimes 
with the buy-in of our board, we can do things quite fast and we can respond quite quickly. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, COVID-19 aside, this wasn't, you know, when you came into 2020, this wasn't your plan to be working on this sort of stuff. How do you now feel about the remainder of the year? I mean, this year, we've got to be realistic that the subject matter has changed and, um, you know, large group activities are, are off the table. This year is all about us being there for our businesses and helping them get back to a, a, a sort of an interim form of operation and hopefully later on um, a much more normal version of, of operating. The people that we're talking to that are probably most challenged at the moment are food and drink operators, yeah. the nighttime economy and the cultural venues. Yeah. So something that I'm trying to hold in my head and get the team to, to think about is that this is not black and white. It doesn't affect us all equally. You know, if we're deemed to be more of a luxury as a business, i.e. we sell food, you know, we sell restaurant food or we sell beer or we provide theatre shows. We are not near the front of the queue if we're in that category to be reopening. So um, I think it's really important that we understand that this is quite phased and that those people are going to need support at a different time. Mm -hmm. And also maybe a little bit of lobbying. And I know there's a little bit of talk going on at the moment about maybe at the right time, the two metre guidance might reduce down to one metre. A lot of our F&B providers and bars and restaurants are saying, we need that to happen because their concern is not about being closed. It's actually about being open with all the costs associated of running that business, Absolutely. but with no profitability. So and how do we, um, how do we uh, as bids look at entrepreneurial and creative ways around using external space for them and, and changing the rules around that and being um, able to adapt quickly? Because if they can double the number of covers by using external space where they may not have been able to before, that could be the difference between them opening and not opening. So it's, it's that sort of thing we need yeah. to be looking at, isn't it? I think there's a really strong example in Liverpool where the local authority is going for this sort of plaza-based approach to uh, grab-and-go yeah. food. And a, fr a good friend of mine who lives in Yokohama in Japan um, said that from the start, a lot of their approach has been around grab-and-go and around using outdoor spaces. So that's something that we're looking at. And I think, you know, something that holds true is that businesses that succeed and places that succeed are the ones that can respond to change. So it's yeah. about us. First of all, understanding what that change looks like and then, you know, what can we do in a new reality to actually deal with that change and still be able to operate. So um, there's been a lot of stuff happening in Leicester around transport, around encouraging cycling, pop-up cycle lanes. You know, we are looking at um, how we use public spaces. Uh, it's quite interesting to see some of the environmental impacts that's happened and visibly the, the sky is clearer at night and you can see the stars in the city, which is nice. And we know that air quality has improved and water quality has improved. I'm not a believer in the sort of glib saying of, you know, we can't go back to normal, normal was the problem. And I don't think this is a time to sort of latch what's happening onto your agenda, whether that's an anti-capitalist agenda or whatever that might be. But we do think that, you know, there have to be some positives that come out of this. And I think the importance of green spaces and outdoor spaces has been massively underlined because if you think about our cities, particularly our bigger cities, places like London, Without parks, it would be untenable and people would really struggle to survive being indoors for the period of time that they've had to be indoors for. So in some ways, it underlines the importance of greening in cities and of kind of landscaping and public realm management. And we're talking about whether or not we can use some of the government money coming to Leicester around greening projects. I don't know if you picked up that you'll have seen there's £50 million on the reopening high street safety Absolutely. fund. Yeah. Um, but it's quite interesting that in the first 12 months, you can spend money on capital projects. So there's an opportunity for us to try some new things in the public realm. And that is, you know, quite exciting. And, you know, 
it's something that we're talking to the local authority about. And, and absolutely, it creates positivity, doesn't it? An opportunity, if managed well. Um, as we say, you'll change managers. So that's a fantastic approach, definitely. Are there any tips or advice you may have for other cities um, or other bids such as yours? It's a really great question. I was just thinking about this and I think that the, the most important thing is to enjoy what you do and recognise that running a bid is a real privilege and it's a really exciting opportunity. And kind of with that, I think it's about the sort of energy that we project as individuals and corporately that we're a positive voice for our place and we always will be no matter what happens. And also, I think, keep it simple. And I think, you know, a bid is quite a simple mechanism in some ways and it's one of our greatest virtues. But we really believe that it's important to be visible within our place and that we should be open and transparent. We need to show the people that pay for our project where the value is. And, um, you know, ultimately, if they wanted to request a receipt at the end of the year and say, look, what did I pay for and what did I get? You know, we're doing that through our annual statements and things. But it's really important that you can actually point out the difference that you made. You know, as you said, we're about change and what changed in our place as a result of us existing. You know, I'm a big believer in outcomes over outputs and actually all of our accumulated efforts. What difference did they make and how can we prove that difference? And it's absolutely legitimate for our businesses to come to us and say, I gave you four and a half grand this year. I gave you 10 grand this year. I gave you 250 pounds this year. What did you do for me? And what, you know, what difference did it make? Absolutely. So I think be visible, be open and transparent and be willing to sort of demonstrate the difference that you make. The only other point that I've just been reflecting on recently was I think we've got an opportunity to be really bold in our delivery, but we also need to be really cautious in our budgeting and in our financial planning and We've never seen a better illustration of the importance of contingency budgets. Mm. Um, and it was interesting to us that we adopted quite a conservative approach to things like financial carry forward from year to year. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think you could ever get a better illustration than what's happened in 2020, that you need to actually be quite conservative and quite cautious in the way that you, you use your, your resources and have a plan B. Um, one of the first things I did when this all happened was a budget that presumed that we didn't see a single another penny in terms of levy. You know, we don't get another penny from this day. Are we viable as an organization? Can we continue to deliver? And the answer is yes, on both counts. But I think be bold in what you do, but be cautious in how you budget is quite a good way to look at yeah, things. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good approach. Um, and also, you know, it's leading from the front. And when we were talking earlier, you said, you know, you have reconfigured your office space, found it's like a different way of working and you are back in the city because that's where you are and you're managing that space. So that's a really good approach to, you know, you've changed it for your team so they feel safe and comfortable, but you know that you have to manage that space and you have to be there to do so. So it's very interesting. Yeah, I think it's been a really difficult judgment call for bids as well, yeah. because I know some bids have continued with rangers and ambassadors in the place. Other bids have, um, you know, as we have furloughed that team, some bids have continued to work from office spaces, others have gone from home, others have done a blended model. But the reality is on, on these sorts of things, you know, a, a big kind of aspect of running a bid is that nobody knows your place and the needs of your place better than you. So we have lots of guidance and lots of information, but we've got to make decisions based on what's best for the place that we serve. So yes, thanks Simon for your time. We really appreciate you joining us on today's podcast. 
Um, for those listening, obviously, we've spoken about Simon's recovery action plan, um, which is available on their website. So if you'd like to have a look at it and you're looking for some inspiration, um, do have a look at that. Um, you can head to bidlesser.co.uk to check that out. And if anybody um, wants to, to talk to me about that and, you know, just get in touch, happy to discuss that. So. Absolutely. Thank yeah, you. people your way. Um, we'll also be bringing series one of this podcast to a close shortly. Um, we've got one more after this, and then we're going to be taking a little break and bringing back series two. So um, look out for our marketing and comms on that um, and we'll be back with series two soon. Thank you very much. Thank you everybody. Thanks guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye.